you have different seasons. I have one more thing, actually, I need to say. Oh, when I was in a place of worship today, I was getting a word for somebody in my spirit. And there's someone, or, some, or, or maybe a couple people, where you have an area of your life that is overwhelming you and you don't know what to do about this area. And there are times you even feel like you're going to lose it. Like you're just going to go crazy in this area. Okay? And God is saying to you, you are coming to the end of yourself in this area. And your tears and your crying out is you coming to the end of your strength. And I'm about to meet you in the place when your strength is finished. And I'm going to take you by the hand, and I'm going to lift you up, and I'm going to make you strong, and you're going to walk with confidence, and you're going to walk with boldness, and this area of your life is no longer going to be a struggle for you. It's no longer going to be a challenge for you, because you are now changing your strength. You are laying down your strength, you are taking up my strength, and I'm going to take you by the hand, and you are never going to be stressed out or worried or fearful about that area ever again. There's an area of the, the, you know, a lot of times we don't, we, we hate those moments where we're freaked out and we don't know what to do. But how many know grace begins where your strength ends? And so I felt that so strong in the spirit today. And I just wanted to, to kind of release that and to share that. Amen. Connie, I'm starting my timer right now. Amen. Those of you that are in the conference know what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. We have, we have different seasons in our lives, and we have times where God will transition us into a new stage um, or a new calling in our life. And the beauty of the New Testament is the New Covenant it, is God is not, he's not going to place a demand on you, although God has many commandments. God places a desire in you. And out of that desire is birthed many times a new direction. And there are times when desire for a certain thing or a certain type of ministry or a certain job or a certain, something going on in your life, that desire will start to wane and grow weaker and weaker and weaker. Then you have this period of time where you're not really satisfied and there's a dissatisfaction that's in you. And what's happening is God's pruning an area in your heart it's falling to the wayside, and God's about to bloom something afresh and anew and fill your heart with desire for something else. Because the way the new covenant operates, God's not just demand after demand after demand on you. God, you know, God writes his laws in your heart. Can you get an amen? And, and it comes out of a place of desire. It comes out of a place of want to. A couple months ago, I was about to teach a, a Bible study online. And, you know, during the pandemic, man... I had a season in my life where I was teaching every single night, every night, because I was just trying to be a lifeline to people. I was just trying to help people. And so I was just online, 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 and teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, because that's what that was that season. But I was about, it was Thursday night, I was about to sit down uh, for this Bible study, and I was about to teach, and all of a sudden, Father God took his finger and wrote something different on my heart, and I had an overwhelming desire 
to go out into the highways and the byways and to evangelize and to tell people about Jesus and this amazing gospel that we have been enjoying. I didn't want to teach the Bible study at all. The desire was gone. It was weird. It was supernatural. And now, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor my, because uh, what I felt like doing is pushing all my stuff down and running outside. Amen. And freaking my neighbors out, you know. But um, I didn't even, but, you know, I honored, I honored that Bible study. I, you know, I set in motion that I was going to do that, continue to do that. But I could tell at that moment that God was transitioning things and God was making a change in my life. And so what God began to do is begin to minister to me about evangelism. Now, most grace people are not excited about evangelism, okay? And, and now, this church is, is evangelistic because of your pastor. Your pastor has an evangelistic call on his life, so this church is going to be naturally evangelistic. Like, he, everything he does, there's an element of evangelism in it. But most grace people have been burned out on evangelism, okay? Because uh, evangelism under legalism is absolute misery. Because you don't have good news. You don't. You're not sure if you're saved or not. And you're just trying to knock enough doors to prove to somebody that, and prove to God that you are saved. And so human beings become transactions and notches on your bell rather than displays of love. And so there you are. I mean, how many, there are entire groups and denominations that work harder than any of us in dead works, knocking doors, trying to tell people their message. And, it's, and what they're really trying to do, every, every person they talk to is just another, another rung on the ladder, trying to get closer to God's approval. An unloved child, a child that does not feel their love, an unloved child is going to be very challenged to convince someone of the Father's love. We've been like beggar orphans in the streets trying to tell somebody that God loves us when we didn't believe that God loved us ourselves. And so our evangelism wasn't powerful, wore us out, and because how I many know the world's antichrist and they're going to reject you? Well, if you're, if you're being rejected in church... And you're being rejected in the streets, you will of all men be most miserable. Amen. Wear yourself out. And, and a good portion of evangelism under legalism isn't really advancing the kingdom. It's actually just grow my church. I don't care if people get, you know, it's great if people get saved, but fill a seat. Our church, our church, our church, our church, my church, my church, my church, my church, my church. Get them to church, get them to church, get them to church. And if your primary goal is building a church, then you've lost sight of the kingdom. I mean, the kingdom, evangelism isn't God's tool to build your church. But we've taught it for so long that we, we were like used car salesmen in the street trying to sell our church. You know, hey, God loves you. Hey, why don't you come to my church? And, blah, blah, blah. and then you get in there. Oh, God loves you. Now you're going to have to tithe. You're going to do this. Blah, 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 blah. Fine print come rolling out like a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And so what's happened to a lot of us that have been abused in legalism, like you don't even want to say, you don't even think about evangelism. You know, it's like, oh, gosh, not that. 
Please no, you know. I mean, when you've been abused in an area, you don't want to revisit that area. And so when someone's coming out of legalism, you know, I mean, you have this period of time where you just need to sit in the Father's love. I mean, it's what you got to do. And everybody's in a different place, and, you know, you, you preach a message from what kind of where you're at, but everybody's in a different place, and that's why your relationship with God is so important and powerful, because everyone's in a different season. Can you get an amen? Okay, so I'm going to make a little bit of a mess. Uh-oh. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> But Rick loves me, so it's all good. Now, what's happened under legalism, how I many you know you're not getting a lot of love? Come to church enough, tithe enough, give enough, pray enough, read the book enough. He loves you little. You know, because what legalism tries to do is it tries to control and marshal out the love of God. And, 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 and does it really in the name of control? If the pastor's happy with you, God's happy with you. If the pastor don't like you, then God hates you. Oh, you, you've done well. You've done some things that I like. Oh, you're a good, good girl. <laughs> now, we all found out that that was garbage. How many know the pastor? Lo- How many know God loves you whether the pastor does or not? Can I get a thing? Amen. And God approves of you whether the, the minister does or not. Can I get an Amen. And so now, this message of grace, through technology, thank God, has been unleashed into the earth. And it can't be controlled, and it can't be tamed, and it's wild. And I love it. Because no one has the right to charge a price for God's love and acceptance. No one has a right to be a middleman between God and man. How many know Moses is dead? Amen. How many know God's here today because we brought him in here with us when we came? You are the temple of the living God. Now, do we need pastors and leaders and ministers in the fivefold ministry? Yes, absolutely. They're there for the equipping of the saints for ministry. Because the reality is, is that we are all ministers. Can I get an amen? We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But there's been this revolution of understanding the grace of God, understanding the love of God, understanding the heart of God. And so many of us come out of legalism. Our cup was half full, half empty, you know, dry as a bone concerning God's love. But what's happened is God has just started like pouring his love into us and pouring his love into us and pouring his love into us and pouring his love into us. And we've come to a place of fullness. Now, the love of God has a course. It's not just called to come to you. If it only comes to you, how many know if we left, when we did this in the conference, how many know if we left this water glass here for two weeks and it just sat here with no movement, no nothing, how I many know it's going to grow stagnant? It's not going to give life, right? How I many know a pond is gross because it doesn't have water flow? And so the love of God, the grace of God, have been pouring into people that understand the gospel. But if you're not letting that love flow through you, then it'll grow stagnant and you get bored with the gospel. And you know what you look for? Something weird that no one's ever heard before. I need a new revelation. I need a new gospel. I need something that's very loosely based on scripture. Okay? 
Because you're bored. I and mean, you want something else new. You want, you, we have a pen chat for new. We want new. Give me the best relation. I mean, uh, Lucas talked about that. I forget the word that he used, but extrapolating. Is that what he said? Lucas is so smart. I saw Lucas this morning. He was awesome. I've never seen Lucas's hair messed up. <laughs> I've never seen Lucas not just look pristine. My family and I were this is so funny, Al. I was, my family and I were breakfast. Lucas comes out. He sits down. He's outside. And he looks rough. I ain't never seen his brother look rough. And he's got his bagel out. He's putting stuff on his bagel. He puts like three inches of jelly on this bagel. I'm like, man, thank God. Lucas is like the rest of us. Amen. And I'm filming him and taking pictures and laughing so hard he doesn't even know. My wife's getting on him. And you know that's wrong. You know you should not be doing that. I was like, honey, but look, it's so funny. You know, and I later went out and told him and showed him and told him I was going to post it on his timeline later. So praise God. Which I'm not, but I did stay in the picture because it's funny. But anyway, extrapolating. You take a portion, and then you pull it out, and then you add something to it, and you add something new because everybody wants something new that they can take credit for. Uh, Chris Barnhorst talked about a personal interpretation of the scriptures. And so people have a hunger for new. And you know, listen, I'm not saying that God can't reveal new things. I'm not saying that. But we're, we can't just be revelation junkies. We can't just, you know, me, myself, and I... There comes a time when the love that's coming to you has got to start pouring out of you. Because if it doesn't pour out of you, then you're not going to have purpose. I mean, your purpose, certainly we're called to be containers, and I agree with that 100%, but how many know your container is supposed to overflow? Are you all tracking me? It's supposed to be pouring out. See, the love that I'm receiving should pour out into my wife, it should pour out into my children, should pour out into my community, should pour out into my church, should pour out in Walmart, should pour out in public, should pour out in the gas station. Can I get an amen? And if it's not pouring out, but we're so hesitant to have no works, I will not work. Don't you tell me to work. Look, man, I mean, all good works are of God. Without good works, you would have never heard the gospel. Without a high school teacher taking time out of his life to teach me how to drive and sow the seeds of the gospel into my life, I wouldn't have encountered Jesus the way that I did. What if he was in his classroom, he was a Latin teacher, and he was like, you know what? I'm just resting in Jesus, and I ain't going to tell this kid about Jesus. I'm certainly not going to teach him how to drive. I'm not going to take him to his first concert. I'm not going to. Why? Because, hey man, I'm resting in the Lord. How I mean, you know, if that good work of life didn't come out of him, I couldn't have encountered the Jesus that he was enjoying. You are called and ordained to good works. Grant Friendly did an amazing job while teaching on that. If you didn't get a chance to get that session, watch it. There's a dead work and there's a good work. But if we're only drinking in and we're not letting out of our belly flowing rivers of living water in life, we're going to be frustrated and we're not going to be happy. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Thank you, Lord. Because how many know that we are all ministers? Everybody in here, you have a primary calling. Amen. Now, your primary calling is to be loved by God. There's nothing greater, there's nothing higher, there's nothing more powerful. Please understand that. I'm speaking to you as though that foundation has been laid. There's nothing greater than that, okay? You are a son, you are a daughter of God, you don't have to earn God's love. 
It's, it's a finished thing. It's a done deal. You can't make it greater. You can't make it smaller. We spent a week talking about that, right? But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's your ministry. That's your primary ministry. If it wasn't, then we'd get saved and we'd all get sapped out of here and we'd be in heaven. I mean, that didn't happen. We're still here. And the, the reason that we're still here is the Christ in you. How many know you're not your own any longer? You have forfeited your life. Christ in you, right? People need the Christ in you. There are people that are called to encounter the Christ in you. I mean, there are people that I can talk to that maybe you can't. And there are people that you can talk to that I can't. How many know that the, the expression of Jesus through you is beautiful and different and unique and different than me and different than those around you? But we need all the instruments to express Christ. Can I get an amen? You know, I, 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 I mean, when I do evangelism, I'm constantly meeting drug addicts. I'm constantly meeting people coming off drugs. Why? Because I used to be a drug addict. You know, and, but if I were to talk to someone who dealt with anorexia or bulimia or something like that, I could minister to them, but I can't share my story. You know, a gentleman uh, shared uh, in, in the talking about, had talked about abortion and stuff during the uh, the conference. You know, that that's a powerful testimony. It touched people's lives. People have responded. People want to talk to him. They went through the same thing. I mean, that's his story, and the beauty and redemption of Jesus blown through his weakness becomes pure spun gold in the beauty of Christ. Reveals Jesus to other people. I don't have that story, but he has that story. I mean, everything the enemy tried to do for evil in your life, God's going to turn it for good. Every single thing. Redemption is beautiful. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care what you've done. God will turn it to good. My most powerful points of ministry are my areas of greatest failure. I now minister out of my weakness. I love it. Isn't it beautiful, right? And so, how I many know oh, you're a letter that's written by God? You have ups, you have downs, you have highs, and you have lows. But that entire letter is going to minister Jesus into somebody else's life. Are you tracking me here? And so all of us, we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. Now understanding the finished work of the cross, we understand the sin of the entire world has been paid in full. Past, present, and future. All of humanity's sin has been paid for. We're not trying. It's just paid for. So now, we got this job of announcing this to the world. Announcing this amazing news to the world. This, this ministry of reconciliation. This is our calling. Amen? Aren't you thankful somebody told you about Jesus? I know that was gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> if someone thought it was works to tell you about Jesus and dead works and legalism, wouldn't it have been awful if you'd never known or heard? You know, track me here. I mean, the enemy can get us so wrapped up in grace that we become nullified in the kingdom. That's right. And we just... Don't do anything. Right? How many of the final thing that Jesus told his disciples? How many of the last thing you tell somebody is important? 
Before I walk out the door, my wife always has the last instructions for me and for my son. My wife is full of wisdom. She's literally the wisest person I know. And I'm not just saying that. I'm, I'm like, it's the, it's the truth. It's her, it's her, one of her giftings. She's so wise. And before I, but it's so funny because like me and Ethan are a lot alike in a lot of different ways. But like, but she'll be like, look at me. <laughs> look at, she does this to him and look at me. I'm about to tell you some things that you need to hear, you know. Don't forget the diapers or, you know, or make sure you do this or whatever. And those last things that said are very important. Before Jesus left, the last thing that he said, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't just say, come to church and preach the gospel. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, he, and, and that's said for all of us. Can I get an amen? Say, I am. Say, I am. A minister. Of reconciliation. Now, this is not hard. This is not difficult. You just got good news. That's all you got is good news. Like, there's no strings attached to this anymore. It's not your job to make somebody believe. It's not your job to convince somebody. It's not your job to strong arm them into the prayer of salvation. It's not your job to drag them to church. You just go out and shine. Sow the seed. Let it hit the ground. Sometimes it's going to bring forth immediately. Sometimes it's going to look like, like when I was in high school, it's going to look like it was falling on dead ground. That teacher I told you about, I fought him tooth and nail the whole time. I was mean to him. I was a jerk to him. I tried to talk him out of his Christianity the whole time. I never changed in his sight. Now, how I many you know, in his eyes, he could have felt like really bad, like he'd wasted his time and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and all of these things. But he felt so compelled to share Jesus with me because Jesus said, that's my kid right there, man. He don't know who I am. All he sees is man-made religion. I need somebody to be willing to tell this kid that somebody loves him. <clears throat> and I fought him hard. I was mean to him the whole time. It never looked like anything he did work. It looked like wasted time the whole time. But you know what? A seed does its best growth in the dark. And when I was when I was drug addict, alcoholic, depressed, suicidal, hating my life, tried everything else, police couldn't change me, my mom couldn't change me, my girlfriend couldn't change me, I couldn't change me, nobody could change me. The everybody, every bridge burnt, homeless. Only person that never gave up on me was this woman right here. Seriously. Everybody else gave up on me. She did. She'd come home from college, pick me up wherever I was at, because I might be in the street, I might be on somebody's couch, I might be wherever, pick me up, feed me for the weekend, and then drop my butt back off and head back to college. <laughs> it is a miracle that this woman stayed with me. I always say that, it, that, that she was the life preserver that Jesus threw to me. Because that's the most faithful love I've ever known in a human being. <clears throat> but in, in my deepest and darkest time, in my deepest and darkest moment, those little seeds started growing up. And my thought process was like, look, I've tried everything else. I might as well give Jesus a shot. Because if there's any way we can get rid of me and I can start anew, 
I'll take that. Because I was the problem. You know, I think I just need to change schools. I just need to move somewhere else. And I can remember that I had gotten my, I got my, my mom was a single mom, putting herself through college, and I had gotten in so much trouble. In fifth grade, I had had several felonies, breaking and entering, all kinds of stuff, that I got my mom kicked off the campus. And this this part is known as a party school in Richmond, Kentucky, EKU. Got all these wild college kids, and we got to get this fifth grader off of campus. That's how bad I was, man. And uh, I just had a wound in my heart, you know, I, and I won't go into all that, but... My mom got kicked off of campus, and so we moved into the, the, the ghetto, because that's all we could afford, of that area. And I remember stepping out and looking out of the apartment building and just looking out and thinking, I wonder how much trouble I'm going to get into out here. Because I just knew it was going to happen. Because it didn't matter where I went, and it didn't matter where I moved, I was the problem. But, I mean, Jesus had a plan to let me die with him on the cross. And I could become a new person. And I could become like him. But that would have never happened if somebody didn't sow the seeds of the gospel into my heart. That would have never happened if somebody had to shine Jesus into me. That would have never happened if someone didn't take the time. Are y'all tracking me here? How many, how many people out there are like me that are in your life that you don't know about? How many people out there call to preach, but they're atheists right now, and they're drug addicts, and they're crazy, and we just enjoy grace, enjoying the love of God, and too consumed with ourselves to share it with anybody? People like me need people like you. Yeah. And look, guys. The legalists have done it wrong, and they've beat them up, and they've knocked them down. And if anybody should be preaching this gospel, it should be those that know this gospel. If anybody should be sharing this gospel, it's those that know this gospel. You've been spending the past few years of your life beginning to understand this gospel and bring it into your heart. How much has it changed you? How much will it change the world? Because God loves you so much that he's, he, he's opened your eyes to hear it and he's established you in grace. But ladies and gentlemen, he just didn't come to fill your cup. He came to overflow your cup. Because what he's given you, it's not just to go to you, it's to go through you. And let me tell you something. As it starts to go through you, you come alive. If you're bored in Christianity, if you're bored with the message of grace, if you've lost the zeal and the fire concerning the revelation, I encourage you, start handing it out. Start giving it out. Because the way love operates, the more you give it, the bigger it gets. And so, we've been doing evangelism. And God said, I've not just called you to fish, I've called you to teach people how to fish. Because evangelism under grace is different than evangelism under legalism. And I'll tell you right now, under grace, it's fun. It's so fun. We hit the streets every Tuesday night in our church. And we just go out and we share the good news. And we've had amazing, astonishing results. And as we go out, man, you know what happens? When we come back, there's always a sense of an, a power.
wonderful sense of joy, of just like the glad tidings of the good news. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is never meant to just occupy. The kingdom is like leaven. It must grow. It must infiltrate. And I'll say this, and this won't be popular. But be careful what you boycott. Because your life is called to shine in darkness. You may not agree with what's going on. You may not agree, and that's in whatever. But I'm going to walk into the darkness and shine the light. Because those are the people that need it. Those are the people that need it. You never see Jesus' approach as, as boycotting or canceling. That's not his approach. He's like, I'm loving. Stick me in. I'll change stuff. Come on, man. Walk in. Walk in. Walk in to companies that don't support your conservative views, if you have conservative views. Walk into those places and shine the light. Who needs Jesus? Those people! Are we better than them? Are they your enemy? Who's your enemy? The devil. You do not war against flesh and blood. What if Ananias said, I'm boycotting Saul? He's a Pharisee. He's a legalist. I can't talk to him. Are you kidding me? What would the other disciples think if they caught me talking to Saul of Tarsus? You want me to go to his house? The darkness, the death, the destruction? I can't associate with Saul. What if Ananias refused to be the messenger of grace to the person that was the enemy against the church? See, we don't draw battle lines like the world draws battle lines. We go into the enemy's camp and we turn the enemies into children of God. That's what we do. That's how we make a difference. That's how we make a change. We are the light and we are the salt. We are a preservative. We must share. And you know what? The person might be like me. They might reject you. They might curse your God. They, they may attack you. But let me tell you something. A seed sown in love stays there. Uh, one of the things I love about love is, is, is that like... It's so powerful when it's done for real. You tracking me? And so, walk in. Okay. And now here's the thing. How many know that this is not going to be accomplished just as a theoretical concept in your mind? The message of reconciliation must be shared. Are you tracking me? Yeah. And like Mark was sharing last night. Put some feet on it, man. Go do it. And here's the thing. If you've come out of legalism and you haven't done evangelism in years and you've been healing up, you'd be terrified initially. Really. You'd be terrified. And the enemy will do everything the Lord he can to talk you out of it. Don't talk to that person. What are they going to think about you? Don't, don't share with them. Don't do it. And, and, but if you'll do it once, then the next time it'll be easier and easier and easier, and then it, it'll turn into a flow, and then you start getting addicted to it, and then you then you'll actually wear the gospel as shoes. 
And wherever you go, you have good news. Because it's not just an event, it's a lifestyle. But you're called to shine the light. Amen? And so, we have this word of reconciliation. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, please. And once again, the way that we do it now is so different. And the title of my message is Veilless Evangelism. Veilless, no veil. The veil is rent. And because the way we do it now is so different. And it's so much funner because here's, here's something important to understand. And this is what, I mean, legalism always operates off demand. Demand, 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 demand. If you don't tell the world about Jesus, everybody's going to hell. You need to... And then all this pressure comes on someone. Like, oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta tell people about Jesus. Listen, listen. Everything that we do, God's actually the one that does it. We just get to be a part of it. Are you tracking me here? Like the gift that I'm operating in right now, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I was drug out of God for holy atheist, damning God's name. But God placed a gift in me. It wasn't really even mine. It was for the purpose of serving people with. I'm not doing this out of my own strength or because I fasted 40 days and 40 nights or any of that. It's a grace gift. Everything that God does in our life, we just get to be a part of. Let me give you an example of it. I have a three-year-old named Eli. He loves to help. He's a helper. He loves to fix stuff. He loves tools. Like, I don't even have tools anymore. They're all Eli's tools. We're getting ready ready to leave on this trip, and Eli's like, I need to take my wrench. He's got a wrench. He's just a, he's just a, he's an unusual little man. And so he loves to help. And so, like, when it's time to carry the groceries in, he's going to have to be involved. Because, like, he, so when I'm carrying the groceries in, I can't just carry the groceries in. I've got to think, okay, Eli can carry that. He can carry this. He can carry that. Because if I don't allow him to carry the groceries in, he will be severely upset. Because he didn't get a chance to, share, to, to carry them in, right? And so, how do you know, it's easier for me to just carry the groceries in. But because I love him, and I want him to be involved, and I love to see him excited and helping, I will make room for him to carry the groceries in. Every ounce of ministry is God, Father God, Daddy God, allowing you to be you're, you're, you're invited to join along. But here's the thing. He actually does it all. In spite of us. And that's why he calls it the foolishness of preaching. Amen. And so I say all that to say this. Don't allow the pressure of evangelism to paralyze you with fear. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to mess it up. Of course you're going to say the wrong thing. Of course you're going to make mistakes. This, this is, how you know, when Eli carries the groceries in, he'll do it perfect. But as he's little man just carrying the groceries in, I love watching him. I'm excited about him. It's like a joy because I'm letting him as a father, be a, as a son, be a part of what I'm doing. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so don't allow the pressure of it to overwhelm you. Listen, it's a joy-filled announcement. There's no pressure. The work is finished. It's an announcement. I feel like as, as the days ahead grow and as, as, as all the wonderful things that God's going to do and revival and revolution and, and as our, our, our country turns back to God and all these things that you're going to see. I mean, all things look dark and bleak right now for the church and for Christianity. 
Don't you know God has told this story a million times? Does God not favor the underdog? Like, you know what I'm saying? How many know God's going to flex and we're going to win? Like, it's always been this way. But, like, it's our turn. It's our generation. You know what I'm saying? Like, it looks like, you know, humanism and atheism and Gnosticism and all the isms that Lucas was talking about are, are you know, going to, you know, try to take over. And, and things look bleak. But how many know the pendulum's about to swing? And, and, and there's about to be the greatest revival that we've ever seen. And, and it's just going to happen, right? It's going to be awesome. But what I see happening is there's going to be such a joy and a liberty amongst us as we get a hold of the gospel and start to announce it and to share it. Because we just got good news. Oh, so different than strong-arming somebody into the sinner's prayer. Manipulating them into to doing something. It's going to be totally different. Amen? But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to talk about the veil for just a second here. It says, therefore... That's 2 Corinthians 3.12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not steadily look at the end of what was passing away. How many of that veil represents condemnation? Amen. We've talked about this a great deal this week. But their minds are blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, how many know the veil in the temple has been rent? It's been torn. But how many know that that veil is always trying to grow back in our lives? Talk about condemnation. Condemnation. Amen. It's not a real veil. It's a fake veil. What does the veil do? It, it, it mars the way we see God. We see Him as angry and disappointed in us. And it mars the way we see ourselves. We see ourselves as dirty, Right? But how many know the gospel causes you to turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, and as you turn to the Lord, that veil stays rent. How does the veil stay rent? Listen to me. You are as forgiven right now in this moment as the second you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Okay? You are totally and completely and absolutely forgiven. Can I get an Amen. And that is an absolute solid reality because your forgiveness was based upon a new identity. You are now in Christ. You're one spirit in Christ. You're now the righteousness of God. Can you get an amen? As the gospel comes to you, it keeps that veil rent. Why, when people first get saved, do they have such a glow about them? Why do they have so much peace? Why do they have so much joy? Like, why does when someone first gets saved, they have love and peace and joy and then 20 years later, all that's gone. We start out more mature than we end up. Because we've been taught how to develop a veil of condemnation towards ourselves and the way we see ourselves and the way we see God. And so many times we begin more mature than where we end up. Are you tracking me here? Why, why, is, why is that so? Well, once again, because that veil of condemnation tries to come. That veil of condemnation tries to mar the way we see ourselves in the way that we see God. But in the beginning, I can remember seeing a young lady get saved in one of our Bible studies, and she just glowed. Because what happens is, how many know Christ is in you? And how many know there's a shining that, that, that when, when there's no condemnation on you, people see Jesus in you. When there's condemnation on you, Jesus is in you. 
and people can't see. Y'all tracking me here? I mean, how I many you, know, you can just tell somebody's countenance? I can take one look at somebody and see if they're experiencing condemnation. I mean, you ever see someone who's normally kind of upbeat or whatever, and you can just see that veil? Now, how I many know the light in them hasn't changed, but it's been obstructed by the lie that God's not with them or for them? And so the purpose of the gospel comes in to keep that veil torn so that you can shine Jesus wherever you go. Are y'all tracking me here? Amen? When we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, drop down to verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. For if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. How many know under legalism, we were evangelizing with a veil? We were condemned. And when they saw us, they saw condemnation. And under legalism, it's not a helping hand, it's a pointed finger. Something wrong with you. Because I don't know how to handle the condemnation. I can't put it on the cross as someone who's involved in legalism. <clears throat> the way legalists handle condemnation is they accuse. How I many of the best way to hide your own sin is to point out someone else's? That's why gossip is so destructive and slander is so destructive because you tear people down to feel better about yourself. <clears throat> and actually what you're doing, you're just trying to devalue someone else to increase your value. How I many know that's not the kingdom? How I many know the kingdom doesn't operate in slander? Kingdom is operated slander. Don't talk bad about people. Don't do it. Just don't. It's it's just <clears throat> you can't handle slander and it not get on your fingers. Come on. Come on. You know, I like what um, Connie was sharing about washing washing your feet. Well, you know, washing each other. You know what I'm saying? And speaking life over each other, and washing each other. That's how we should handle each other. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and um so anyway, but, and so a veiled gospel will be hidden, and it will look like accusation. And how many know it's not good news? How many know the gospel's not hellfire and brimstone? The gospel's not talking about people's sin. Now, how many know grace doesn't change right and wrong? How many know right's still right and wrong's still wrong? That hasn't changed. Book lays it out. Rightly divide the word. You know, you're not under the old covenant. You can wear linen or wool or whatever you want to wear. But sin is clearly laid out of sin. What is sin? It's just the absence of love and the presence of selfishness. But our message is not a message of accusation and talking about people's sin. Our message is a message of reconciliation. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Every person on this planet right now, their sin has been paid for. Every single one. And so... That's our job, just to tell them. <laughs> it's not our job to make them believe. It's just our job to tell them. Now, how many know they're not going to enjoy that unless they believe? It's by faith through grace that we're saved, right? People aren't automatically saved. You know, you're not forced into a marriage. You're not forced into a relationship. You have choice. God values choice. I love how Greg was sharing that. It's powerful. God values choice. <clears throat> you choose. If I, if I make my wife spend time with me and I try to make my wife love me and I make, you know, I mean, that love doesn't mean anything. Love's not love unless it comes from a willing heart. God says, I love the whole world. 
It's your choice whether you want to love me back or not. That's right. That's right. Are you tracking me here? And they only love back when they realize how much they're loved. You follow me? Now, it's our job to share that message, right? The message of reconciliation. So we continue. But if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That passage is so powerful. Like, I could just say it over and over again, right? How many know the enemy is always trying to blind the world to the gospel? That's right. Any presentation of God is that he's angry and judgmental. And then the enemy's always trying to slander grace like it's a license to sin. How many of you works both sides of the camp? You know, presentation of God in Hollywood, angry, judgmental. And then the, the attack against the message of the gospel, these people are just licentious. They're trying to give everybody a license to sin. What's he trying to do? He's trying to block Jesus. Because here's the thing. If you see Jesus, you're going to fall in love. Come on, come on. You can't see him and not love him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Once you see him, it's over. Yep. Once yep. you see him. Yep. When I was when I was that 19-year-old drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, angry kid, once I saw Jesus, it was over. Yep. Yep. Awesome. That's right. But I just didn't see him. You know, I, I jokingly, part of my testimony is I jokingly say. It was Christians who kept me an atheist for 19 years. <laughs> because they just judged me and condemned me, with the exception of his teacher. And the enemy's always trying to fail Jesus. How many know Jesus would attract sinners? Yeah. Wouldn't he know? Yeah. Anywhere you put Jesus, here come the sinners. Like, he would overwhelm a town. Without social media, without radio, without any of these things. Jesus would come to town and the sinners would flock to him. They'd rip the roof off the house just to meet him. Sinners. And yet, how I many know most Christians, we don't attract sinners, we repel them. Self-righteousness repels the wounded. God's righteousness attracts them. See, I love ministry now. Like I do I do a lot of ministry in coffee shops. And in, and in gyms. You know, my, my, my gym that I go to, I'm always praying for people. I'm always looking. Now, here's the thing. I'm not just in there, you know, just with a pulpit. I'm in there joking around with these people, laughing with these people, loving on these people, spending time with these people. I mean, you know, everything you do doesn't have to be Scripture. You know, we spend so much time building people with Scripture. <clears throat> There's a better way to sow seed. You know what the greatest way to sow seed is? Fruit. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many of the animal kingdom? When fruit comes on the tree, they go for it. The squirrels, the rabbits, the deer, they're going to eat the fruit. How many of they eat the fruit, they ingest the seed? Are y'all tracking me? And then they sit it out with his own fertilizer. Amen. <laughs> but these people who don't know I'm a pastor, because I'm an undercover pastor, can I get an amen? I don't look like a pastor, and I ain't trying to, hallelujah. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm undercover, right? And so I'm in there, and I'm just being, I'm love and peace and joy and acceptance. They're cussing, they're talking about this, they're doing that. I'm not judging them, I'm not condemning them, I'm not stopping them, I'm loving them. And then all of a sudden, God will be like, 
Because I spent all this time showing them Jesus through Jeremiah Johnson. And then a lot of times it'll be, they'll, they'll start to tell me one of their problems. What's their, what are they doing? They're crying out for prayer. Crying out, man, I'll tell you what, this, this is, hey man, can I pray for you? They're not used to Christians not condemning them. They're not used to Christians not judging them. They're like, you're cool, man. Are you sure you're a Christian? Because you're like a nice person, you know? So sad. So sad. Or they'll, or they'll find out I'm a minister. Like I was I was sitting at Starbucks one day, drinking some coffee. This girl comes on break. And, uh, you know, and I've already developed a relationship with all these people. Laughing with them, joking with them, just loving on them, caring about them. Amen. And then we're sitting there talking. And she's like, well, what do you do? Now we know what's on now. What happened? The door just opened. Yeah. Amen. Got to share the gospel right there with her. Yeah. And she's had a period of time just seeing the fruit. Yeah. Are you tracking me? Yeah. And then I'm like, the reason I'm like this is Jesus. Wow. It's Jesus. Are you tracking me? Listen, this is your calling. This is what you're called to do. Yeah. You are a minister of reconciliation. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm all for hitting the streets and doing this. And I'm going to talk about that in a practical sense as we finish here. But it's happening all the time. Like when we were in the, when we were in the hotel, uh, I was in the gym one morning, about 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was working out. And uh, this guy comes in. Now, how many know the ministry of reconciliation is not always convenient? Come on now. How many know love's not convenient? Love's going to come in and take some of your time. Because what I want to do is just do my workout. And so I can go and do my stuff, right? But God sent somebody in here. And he's hungry. How you know, Jeremiah? Because he just wants to talk to me. He just wants to talk to me. So I put, turn my headphones off. And I keep working out. And we're talking. And we're talking. And we're talking. And he's sure he's about 68 years old. He just had... Um, had surgery on his on his uh, shoulder and he's doing rehabilitation and we're talking you know and he's you know and he's just being himself you know blah you know blah blah blah, blah you know and, and so and down here I'm like now here's the thing it's not how many know every situation is not the same it's not time for me to smack him upside the head of the track now there are times for that but it's time to be spirit led. And so I'm, 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 because listen to me, the Christ inside of me is yearning to talk to his child. How I many of God wants to bring this 60-year-old man into the fold? Jesus is like, he's in there, he's like, this is my chance. I got a shot. I got a minister of grace here. I've got someone who understands that I love them and understands reconciliation. I'm in here. Jeremiah, are you going to let me out or are you going to be selfish and just focus on your workout? What are you going to do, man? Because I love you either way, but I love this guy, so I'd really like to talk to this guy. And there's my choice. Am I going to be in the flesh and just focused on me? Because I'm really, when I work out, I'm really focused. I don't really like to, you know, I mean, when I'm actually doing the workout. But how many know it's about me? Can I get an amen? It's not about me. And so down here, I'm just waiting. Now, I want to show you, though, this may not seem like much, but this is what I felt led to do. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I can tell I'm not supposed to corner him in the gym and talk his ear off. As he, he's like, hey man, see what? This is all I did. And I, and I say this. I just say this. I said, God bless you, man. Have a great day. That's all I said. 
But I said it by the Spirit and in love. It hit him like a ton of bricks. He was visibly shaking. He immediately looked down. What happened? Conviction. Conviction. Now, how many know I just ministered Jesus to him? See, don't look on that and think that's small. The man had it. See, it's, we have to get out of our head. How many know I'm not trying to get a notch on my belt? I'm not trying to get a notch on my belt. I've spent 45 minutes establishing a friendship with this man. And I just let him know that I'm a believer. And by the Spirit of God, it made an impact in his life. How I many know oh, that that is evangelism as well? Don't think in your head it's just you forcing somebody into the sinner's prayer. Don't think in your head it's just you giving a track. <clears throat> we went out to eat earlier. There was a young lady that was our server. And, man, I'll tell you what. If you're a believer and you don't tip, repent. Yes. Because <laughs> you're going to be in there and let everybody know you're a Christian. You're not going to take care of the person that's waiting on you. I question your, your, I mean, that's fruitless, man. Don't be that person. When you're, you're repping the kingdom, you're an ambassador. Don't tip according to the service. Tip according to the kingdom. Tip according to your God. You'll have more power tipping somebody who treated you bad. You'll have more of an impact. I've done that many, many times. I can remember one time this guy came out, you know, and he basically shafted me all night. And he knew it, and I knew it too. But I, but I gave him a big tip. And I let him know that Jesus loved him. He was rocked. Why? Because he received grace. He received something he did not earn and he did not deserve. Can I get an amen? How I many know it's more than just about whether your food's cold or not? It's more than just, how I many know you are representing the kingdom? And so while we're in there, we, we, we love on her, we give her a big tip, we're kind to her, we asked her if she wanted prayer, she didn't. And how I many know that that's okay, she's not there yet. But she had an encounter with the Christ that's in us. How I many know fruit's not microwave fruit? You can't make it happen. Remember, you're just sowing the seed. You're just shining the light. Everywhere you go, you're sowing the seed. You're shining the light. You're being the Christ unveiled. Are y'all tracking me? I'm assuming that the passing out of the community means I need to stop. <laughs> hey, dude, this guy is preaching too long. He doesn't let his timer go off. I'm still within time. And, like, we're going to shut this thing down because we're going to pass the communion. <laughs> we tired. We hung. I'm sorry. I'm persecuting the ushers. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Good. And so, and so now, that's a practical sense, hitting the streets. Okay? This is how I do it now. And I'm not, there's no formula. Can I get an amen for no formula? Be spirit-led. But the message is the same. No matter how it, it, it happens. I'm going to wait until they finish, because I can't, y'all ain't going to listen to me doing that. <laughs> I have not stuck my toe in the ocean yet. But it's going to, no, 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 because I'm going to be here for another week. I'm going to be preaching here again next Sunday. <laughs> Yeah. Y'all have a Bible study? I'm coming to it, you know? Amen. I'm, I'm just moving to Myrtle Beach for like 10 days. 
And I knew nothing but hanging out at the beach and shouting Jesus. Wherever I go, amen? All right, let me give this to you from a practical sense. I come up to somebody, and I just come up to them, be on the street or something like that. And, you know, we take teams out, and we, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, and I'm not saying you should do this, I'm just telling you what we do. Because how many of you, when you're purposeful about something, you start to get good at it? Yeah. When you're purposeful about it, because God's like, do it. We, we shut down our midweek service and we do witnessing every Tuesday night. We, we'll, we'll take out cars, because I found that in a car, I don't have to walk as far. <laughs> a lot of times Brian will be driving. And we'll have his car packed with, with people, and we go out like secret agents. And then we'll see a young lady walking down the road by herself or whatever, send out two girls to talk to her. See a young man over here, send out two guys or a guy and a girl or whatever. How many of you know two guys can't just come up on a single girl, kind of get an amen? Let's use some wisdom here, people. Don't be dumb. But we, 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 we locate where people are at, and then we'll, like, we'll drop them off on the corner. And then Brian will drive around, and we'll find somebody else to drop these two off and drop these off. Then we'll say, hey, pick us up when we're done. We'll witness, 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 pray, 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 pray. Hop back in the car with Brian and keep on going. And we can cover more ground like that and find more people like that. Can I get an amen? But I'll come up to somebody, and I'll just, and I'll look them in the eyes. Because now, how many know that as a result of the gospel, I now know that God loves me? How many know it's hard to share something that you don't believe? It's hard to share something that you don't believe. Many of you, you've been incubating in the love of God for years for this time right here. You've been set up for this time right here. Because there's an activation that God's doing in the grace community to share the gospel. How many know it's time for there not to be a legalist on every corner, but a gracist on every corner? Thank you so much. And I'm sorry for giving you a hard time. No, I appreciate your, your faithfulness, man. Amen. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just sometimes rowdy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, praise God. I don't know. Yes. This is my taxi cab driver. Oh, cool. Okay. a normal flow of life. It's going to be different. It's going to be unusual. It, they're not expecting this. This is different. And this is, that's okay. Can I get an amen? How many know the book of Acts to turn the world upside down? We don't want life as usual. We, 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 need, to, we need to be different. Amen? And I just come up to him and I'm like, you know, God loves you. And he loves you more than anyone has ever loved you before. And, that, and that's how, how many know that's a true statement to anyone that I talk to? And 98% of the time, that statement out of a heart that believes it completely disarms them. And now they're ready to hear everything that else that I say. So we start out with the love of God, and then we'll, then, 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 then we'll switch gears into, 
you know, maybe talking about, you know, talking about God having a future and a calling for them. But then eventually, I'm going to bring up Jesus Christ. Because how many know you can't get saved under the name of God? No man comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Can I get an amen? You must honor the Son to come into the kingdom according to Scripture. It's just the truth. He's the bridge that you walk across. He's the way that it comes. But I don't have to shove Jesus down somebody's throat to tell them that God loves them. Can I get an amen? Because when you mention the name of Jesus, there's a million stigmas. How many? He's in the line of the sand. How many? We can't coexist. He doesn't play well with other religions and other gods. They bow down to him. Can I get an amen? But I'm going to start out telling them the truth of God's love for them. And God loves you. He loves you more than anyone's ever loved you before. And he's got a plan and a future for your life. And that's how we start. And then we shift into, do you need prayer for anything? Are you a believer? What are your thoughts on Jesus? And out of the platform of love, we start to move over into all these other different avenues. Amen? I've had... Uh, and, you know, and some people receive immediately. Some people, how I many know different fruit is in different stages? How I many know if fruit's not ripe, you can't pluck it off the tree? If someone's heart's not open, you're just sowing the seed. And when somebody rejects you, don't take it personal. <clears throat> and another thing evangelism will help you do, it'll help you get set free from yourself. How many know you need to learn how to weather rejection? Everybody in here, you need to learn how to handle it. Because it ain't never going to stop. You've seen people reject me hard when we're out there. I can remember we, we pulled up on three, three young people. And there were two young men and there was a young lady. And sometimes we'll just roll the window down and I'll jump up out the car and start talking to them. You know, just like on the side. It freaks them out, but it's okay. And everybody get freaked out it's all good. And the two young men were, were mocking. How I many know the spirit of this world mocks? They were mocking, right? Now, here's the thing. That, that rolls off me like water off a duck's back. Because, like, God loves me. I don't need somebody's approval to feel good about myself. Can I get an amen? we got to get good at that. we got to learn how to do that. Now, the young lady, she was receptive. The two guys who were with her were not. But, like... How I many know the more you understand the gospel and the love of God, the less you care what people think about you? Can I get an amen? amen? And so not only is evangelism going to be the flow of love out of you, but it's also going to develop you and set you free. This is important. Set you free from the fear of man. Everybody in here could use a little more freedom from the fear of man. Evangelism will help you do that. Can I get an amen? amen. And so you, you, you just love on people. You pray for people. And, you know, at the end of the night, man, we're always just full of joy and happy and thankful. And we share, you know, different things that God has said and different things that God has done. Am I saying that you should do it just the way we do it? Not at all. I'm just telling you what we do. But I am saying this. Listen, you are a minister of reconciliation. And who better to share the gospel with the lost than you? I mean, you know, as grace people, this is our calling. Amen? And I, and I feel like this is what... God, the message God's placed in me for Grace Communities right now is to activate the church. <clears throat> because the fields are ripe. How many of the fields are super ripe? How many of the laborers are few? Because a, a legalist doesn't know how to share the love of God because they don't think God loves them. 
Y'all tracking me here? So I just see a, a shift in here. So, amen. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I am actually love Connie Loder. I do. She's awesome. But we just give you, we just joke around and stuff. So, cool. All right, Rick. Come on up. Thank you.